Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Jonathan Last, sitting in for Charlie Sykes. I'm joined today by my favorite people at The Standard, my work wife, Rachel Larimore, and my work husband, Jim Swift. Last night, the Villanova Wildcats blew out the University of Michigan, 79-62, to and Rachel, you almost took home a big pile of money in a totally legal gambling scheme. Yes, there's a totally legal gambling scheme called Squares, and uh, you have to you are assigned a two numbers, a winning number and a losing number. And my numbers were nine and four. So given that it was the final, had Villanova, well, Villanova did what it had to do. It scored 79 points. Had Michigan scored one more basket, I would have won $640. Do you think this was point shaming because I know you're from Ohio? <laughs> I, I suspect, yes. I feel like Mo Wagner had it in him to score one more basket. So what, what was it like sitting there during those final seconds with how much money? $600? Is this when I make a big confession? Yeah. I kind of forgot about it. I was so excited that I was coming to D.C. today to work with my favorite people that I had kind of forgotten about the contest. And I was talking with my husband this morning and he reminded me that had. So this is like the saddest bad beat ever because you didn't even realize you were getting a bad beat. I was sitting in the Uber today coming to the office from the airport and we were texting and he reminded me and I was nice. I did not punch out the window of the Uber. <laughs> Jim, you did you watch the game last night with I, the twins? Were the girls awake? Were I, you hanging I, out? I did not really watch it per se. I had it on in my de- bedroom office. I had it on the TV on mute. But uh, in reality, I was watching the Cleveland Indians play in Los Angeles where Edwin Encarnacion hit an inside-the-park home run. He weighs like Ooh. 230 pounds and is not known for his speed. And our PR manager, Alex Rosenwald, was there at the opening day game as his birthday present. So I was cyberbullying him uh, via text. Wait, where did he put the ball to to get an in the park? Did he I mean, just like bury in the corner? So it's it's very odd. I mean, you know, and, and he's not a fast guy. No, and but he's you know he's a big home run hitter. I mean, in Seattle or earlier in the season, just hit moonshots. But this one was this it was this towering drive that you thought was going to maybe hit the, the foul pole or go f- foul. But it landed in fair territory, right at the base of the foul pole, on the top of the fence, but it didn't go over. So it bounced towards center field, and the, the left fielder just kind of was like lazily thinking, oh, like, you know, it, it's, it's fair and foul, I don't know. And then he realized it was, it was fair, but by the time he got to the ball, Encarnacion was already at second base, and he was sort of half-assing it, and he launched the ball, and it just inside the park home run. Indians have not—they got one in 2016 with Tyler Naquin, but they uh, they hadn't had one for like 100 years. So within three years, we've had two. So it's pretty neat to see. But uh, So I had the game on uh, mute because of the car horn, I think. That's why I didn't really want to watch— in uh, Hatred of Michigan is an Ohioan aside. I didn't want to watch it because of the car horn. So or listen to it. Tell, tell me about the car, because this is something I did not realize until we sat down 30 seconds ago. So one of the big knocks, one of the big knocks on the Final Four is that it takes place in a dome every year. It's cavernous. Yeah, no, I like the, the outdoor the, fields yes. much better. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I'd like to have a cold weather Final Four <laughs> one of these years. Frozen Four. As if there's not enough problems with the Final Four taking place in a dome where players have no sight line and you have 25% shooting in the first half of every Final Four game, there's a really bad echo. And they compounded it this year in the Alamo Dome by instead of having a regular buzzer that we're all familiar with, 
they had what sounded like the car horn from a broken down car that they'd hauled in from the parking lot outside. What, why did they do this? Do we know? I didn't look that up before Is we... That, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, it would be really good if we did this on the deck of the Enterprise, USS Enterprise in New York one year. That'd be like an outdoor... Remember, didn't the NBA do a, an actual game on the Enterprise, or was it just an exhibition game like 10 years ago? I remember that. Yeah, it was, remember that? I thought it was an exhibition game, but I could be wrong. It might have been. I, I feel think like they it were. It was an exhibition. They game. were trying to get in on the the Winter Classic. Type yeah, thing. was it, it was an awesome. NBA game or an NCAA game? You know what? I think it was NCAA actually. It was NCAA. Yeah, it was. Um, I would like a Final Four on the Enterprise. Was it Michigan? Were they involved? In March, when it's cold and windy and snowing, <laughs> that'll be hot. Uh, so would, would we? I'm, I'll be honest, I don't have any interest in talking about anything except for NCAA basketball today because this NCAA basketball was the sport of my youth and really the sport of my my second adolescence as a 18 to 28-year-old before I got married and then had kids. Um, how would we rate this year's tournament? I guess the thing that I, I wanted to talk to you guys about is – I was bothered by how underrated Villanova seems to have been. So I I watched not a single minute of college basketball all season long because I'm not at a place in my life where that is feasible. But I did watch a great deal of the tournament, and they were hands down the best team. I mean, it wasn't close. And yet, when I went to just dug back into the betting odds, you know, I think they were like 10 to 1 favorites to win. And... That's, <laughs> that seems now to have been a ridiculous place for the odds to sit. I mean, historically, the top teams in the tournament are like, you know, 5-1 to one or 6-1. to one, Or even there was a year back in 2014 when Kentucky was an actual even money favorite to win, where you could have bet, you could have picked either Kentucky or the field. You know, this was an interesting year because, and I didn't watch as much basketball as I should, but this was an interesting year that there was no one dominant team. Um, North Carolina was a number two seed with, I think, nine losses. Uh, Kansas was a one seed, and they lost some pretty bad games. They didn't look good in other games. Everyone was wowed by Virginia with their defense. And what's interesting is I even saw some, you know, in some of the pre-tournament hype because the there was so much there wasn't one there wasn't a Kentucky this year somebody said you know this is a year that you could see a number 16 seed beat a one seed and that is what happened on the second night of the tournament so I think it had probably more to do with there was just no Kentucky but but Villanova was a Kentucky I mean this is the thing they they've now won more games over the course of a four four year span than any other program ever they just set the NCAA record for three-pointers. They uh, seem to – they won a national championship two years ago, the same coach. I guess what I'm saying is why was this team not regarded the way Duke always is? Which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen it, but Duke already the early favorite to win it all next year. Well, they As do they have were the, this year and the year before. They do have – they have of the top three recruits coming out of high school next year, they, they have three. But isn't that true every year, essentially? It is. Um, I would say for Villanova this year, I I wonder if it has something to do. I think there's a lingering disrespect for the Big East ever since there was a big breakup a few years ago. And now you just have, you know, the the basis of the Big East is the seven Catholic schools, um, Georgetown, Villanova, Seton Hall, Marquette. Um, The CYO League. The the CYO (laughs) League, you're right. Um, They aren't, you know, even though those are some traditional basketball powers, they don't get 
you know, they don't get the publicity of the ACC, um, the Big Ten. A lot of people talked up the SEC this year. Um, and as an aside, one of my favorite parts of the tournament was that the Pac-12 did not survive the round of 64. They had three teams. Two of them bowed out. Always overrated. Yes. Uh, two of them bowed out in the play-in games. And then um, Arizona, which was half of ESPN's team to win it all, picked to win it all, uh, got upset by a Mid-American Conference champion. Um, but, yeah, I you know, I really like Villanova, but I think there's just some lingering disrespect for the Big East. So do you guys have favorite NCAA tournaments? I don't know where you would rank this one. I think this one has to rank pretty high up just because of the 16 over the 1. Uh, it was pretty – although I don't know, frankly, what do you guys think? What, what, which is the more satisfying upset, a 16, upset 16 over 1 or when Mason went to the Final Four? Like the, the low seed getting to all the way to the Final Four or the, the impossible victory in the first round? We had both of those this year. I guess we did, right? Because we had Loyola we, – we, we, we get the, both stories, right? We had the Retrievers who took the world by storm for approximately 48 hours. Um, and then we had Sister Jean and Loyola, yeah. who had a slightly more stretched out 15 minutes of fame. So maybe this is the greatest tournament ever? No? I'm Ron know. Burgundy? <laughs> I mean, it had all of those highlights, but then you had, I mean... And, and this Duke losing. And Duke Don't lo- forget it had that Duke losing. That happens almost every year, though. Um, I mean, you did have, and this has happened before, and I don't think this was a knock on Michigan, but they got to the Final Four without beating a single team that was higher than a five seed, I think. Um, so they had a, because of all the upsets, which, which everybody loves, they ended up not having to play a one or two seed. Well, they got to the finals without right, having to the play finals, a... Yes, because um, they played Loyola. And you look at Villanova, they won, they won every game in the Big East tournament and in the NCAA tournament by more than, by double digits. So, yeah, and the lowest margin of victory in the tournament was 12 points for them. They're they just a buzzsaw. Yeah. Unstoppable. So, I mean, I'd have to go back and think on it more about what's the best tournament of all time. But if you look at, I mean, this Final Four, um, Michigan pulled away. The second half was interesting for a little bit, but not that much toward the end. And then the, you know, Villanova-Kansas in the nightcap, I hardly watched. It was, I mean, Villanova was just so good, they made it boring. Are, are we getting to peak best of? Because when you think NBA, I mean, granted, it's been boring, even as a Cavs fan, that it's just been Cavs, Golden State, and whatnot. Uh, you look at the World Series uh, last year and the year before with the Indians, Cubs going to, to seven games, and the Falcons uh, Super Bowl, and then the Eagles Super Bowl. Is it, We've had a lot in the last three or four years of, like, is this the best? And then the next year, it's like, no, actually, no, that's, that seems to be getting better. Is it getting better all the time? I like to think of that this is just us getting an averaged out for a bunch of really lousy. I feel like we had almost a decade of bad championship games in all sports, excepting, uh, like, the 2001 World Series, which might be the greatest World Series ever between the Diamondbacks. No, was it the Diamondbacks? Yeah. The Diamondbacks and the Yankees. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then we just had a, a run of, like, just really – very generic. I mean, it was a truism when we were kids, Rachel, that the Super Bowl was never good. Remember You're this? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like, oh, the Super Bowl is never any good. It's always a blowout. Yeah. And so I feel like we're finally coming out the other side where either the leagues have decided to fix everything, uh, which I wouldn't, certainly would not put past the NBA, um, 
or we were just the law of averages are coming out. I want to talk a little bit about uh, our favorite favorite college basketball memories in a moment. But first, who doesn't love traveling? I love traveling. Rachel, I suspect that you really love traveling when you get to travel without your children. It's my favorite. It's the best, right? It's the best. Now, sadly, some people have to travel with their children. I don't go anywhere without them. And, uh, yeah, if you have to travel with your children, shouldn't you make planning that travel as easy as possible? Can I bring my— Since you're going to have to do the cross of— of traveling with your children anyway. And my dog. And your do you do you bring Gus with you guys when you travel too? Everywhere. In the car. Yep, in a Honda CRV. Long haul trips with the do you strap them on the roof, Mitt Romney style? No. <laughs> anyway. Tripping.com. Don't visit a ton of different sites on tripping.com. One search lets you compare every home from the world's top vacation rental sites in one place to find the best deal on your perfect vacation rental. Vacation rentals offer more, more privacy, more space for everyone under one roof and more choices with fully stocked kitchens, extra bedrooms, and even hot tubs. All the comforts of home and then some. Best of all, at Tripping.com, you can join the millions of travelers who find more savings with rates up to 80% less than traditional hotel rooms. So, if you're planning spring break on the beach in Florida, Tripping.com. Can't wait to swim in Lake Tahoe this summer? Tripping.com. Dreaming of sitting on the deck of a Smoky Mountains cabin? Tripping.com. This year, save time and money when you book the vacation home of your dreams with Tripping.com standard. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com standard. Find your perfect vacation rental, Tripping.com standard. I actually think I'm going to use Tripping.com this summer for a vacation because not all of us have family vacation destinations that are kind of like the regular thing. My parents do timeshares, and you can't really bring pets to timeshares. So, Oh, no. They're anti-pets. Yes. Yeah. Where are you guys going? Do you know? No. This is uh, Well, my wife never listens to these things, so she has no idea that I'm planning this surprise because I actually hate traveling. Yeah, so so tell me, spoil the surprise, since she's not listening anyway. Where are you guys going to go? I don't know, but I'll have to go on Tripping.com and see some of the destinations. Fantastic. So, uh, historical NCAA, fantastic highlights. Is it true that when it comes to this, everything is, it's like Saturday Night Live, the Saturday Night Live of your youth is the best Saturday Night Live, because that's just the age when you are predisposed to it? And so, like, for me, the, the NCAA tournaments of my 12-year-old or, you know, 13-year-old self seem to me to be the best ones ever. And I would sit in seventh grade. This is true. I would just literally sit there in, like, my seventh grade English class during March Madness, drawing out the, lo- like, the hand-drawn logos of trying to get, like, all 64 teams from memory and, you know, trying to remember the seedings and... And I just love the crap out of it. And those were like the Patrick Ewing years, and I don't know. Is is that maybe this is just me? Do you guys feel the same way? No. I agree. And the interesting thing is, we are the same age, roughly. Roughly. So we. I have, got a couple years on you. Yes, to your advantage. Yes. Yes. yes you're, um, <laughs> so, but basically, we have the same memories. So maybe those tournaments were the best. Maybe they really were the best. Maybe when, of the best. Since we're talking about Villanova, maybe Villanova's Rolly! victory over Georgetown was the best. That was. I remember that so well. And North Carolina State over the Fly, fly Slamma Jamma. 
Yes, with the Jimmy Valvano. I mean, I know it wasn't really alley because it was a missed shot that they picked up. They could pretend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah that I'm, was an amazing. I'm a little younger, so I'm gonna. I'm, a little. <laughs> so uh, let me wax philosophical here. Despite the age disparity between us, the current status quo of March Madness, uh, when I was a youth, was nothing like it is today. You were drawing things in school. Now kids have smartphones and tablets and Chromebooks, and they could conceivably watch March Madness on their if they're. If I were a child today, I would find a way around the firewall. I would have like a VPN and, you know, screw you school. I'm going to watch TNT with my parents' cable login. I do think that from a nostalgia standpoint, people of a certain age who didn't grow up with now, I mean, here at work, you know, the boss button, TNT, TBS, you appreciate what you saw because you got to see so much less of it as opposed to now. You could have that thing where, you know, you could have on your mega desk screen at work, you could on your second screen, you could have four games going on at the same time. And I think you lose a lot of meaning when... The scarcity, right? This yeah. is totally true. You got what CBS was willing to show you, and that's it. And that was always, I don't know, it was part of the charm. And sometimes, like, you would sit there and you would think to yourself, oh, why do I have to watch this game just because we're in the East Regional? I don't want to, I really want to see that Midwest game, but CBS isn't showing it to me. But to your credit, in those days, CBS got very good at cutting in and showing you the buzzer beaters. Unless you had a local team playing. Right. I mean, this happened all the time. Like, LaSalle had a pretty good team. Uh, they had a guy named Speedy Morris, who was an NBA prospect. I didn't give a crap about LaSalle, but like, you know, so LaSalle was playing and I wouldn't get to see the Georgetown game because my local affiliate was going to show LaSalle hell or high water. And I wanted to see Georgetown because I was going to go to Georgetown someday and be a doctor. And instead I got LaSalle. Uh, so, you know, and and this job. Uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> This one, works better on the substandard. One smart thing the NCAA or that CBS and Turner did this year, and I'm not sure if it was by design, but it worked out really well. Um, on Thursday and Friday, um, I don't know if I should tell our audience that I play hooky every year on Thursday. I hope you and do. Friday. It's, it's yes, one I, of the most lovely marital traditions yes. I've ever heard of. I, my husband and I play hooky every year on Thursday and Friday for March Madness, and we just watch basketball sometimes at a bar. Uh, and sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what they um, what they did this year was the first game that came on, and I guess it was CBS, was a ten versus seven game, and you know the eight nine games can not always exciting. I mean they're they're well matched teams, but who aren't particularly good. Yeah, they're not yeah. particularly good. This year, the the 10-7 games on Thursday and Friday kick things off. The first game on Thursday went into overtime, and it really kind of got the ball rolling. Now, I don't know if any kids were watching on their phones at school, but for the grown-ups who weren't working that Were day, the Laramore children watching on their phones at school, do you think? How, how into not. it are your kids? They very much like their brackets. They are into their brackets and their picks more so than they are watching the games. Interesting. And so, yes, on Friday we were watching games at a friend's house in the evening, and my kids are old enough to stay home by themselves, but I did get frantic texts. You know what I really liked, and, and this might kind of belie my earlier point about the nostalgia and the, the, the lack of everything, and now with, with so much of everything, was this the first year they did team-specific channel coverage? Because I liked that. As an Ohioan, I hate Michigan. And you always hate it when the national announcers are just clear homers for one team, and it just is such biased coverage. But this year, you got to go to a specific channel and watch specifically biased coverage. So I got to watch Loyola Chicago's feed because I hate Michigan that much. I'd never seen that before. Did they take that from the Super Bowl? 
You know, I'm not sure. Well, Major League Baseball has that. So if you have an MLB TV subscription, mm-hmm. which everybody in America should have, you get to choose which feed you want when you're watching games, which is fantastically fun. And this was that version. Although I, I'm glad you brought this up because I have in one of the one of the subtle joys for me of the tournament every year is getting to see all of the different announcing combos of guys who you don't normally see so if you are just a you know if you're a mid-level college basketball fan you see the weekend games and so you get their a team and their b team and that's it but you get everybody come this is you get len uh len elmore you get uh gus johnson the rise and fire do you remember do you remember that documentary the gus johnson the rise and fire story I don't think I saw it. A few years back. It was somebody's like a 15-minute web documentary about Gus Johnson, who I... Was it a 30 for 30 short? Something like that. I know there are people out there who hate him and think of him as like the Stephen A. of basketball announcing. But I think the guy is tremendous, and I love his calls, and I think he's fantastic. And my other favorite is, is Bill Rafferty. Who you know, a little tipsy do a little nickel and dimer onions and those guys. My family, I, I, I am an anti-Packerite. I hate Billy Packer. Uh, I hate Dick Vitale, and so I'm happy that Billy Packer is gone. And I I love the, like the Jim Nance Grant Hill Bill Rafferty combo, who I think is who they gave the final four games to. Yeah. Um, I thought they were fantastic. And Grant Hill, I am unsurprised that the guy who is good, he is like Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. The, the, I don't know if you remember this, but when Kurt Hennig was doing his Mr. Perfect gimmick in the WWE, one of the sticks was like he could do anything. And so you would see him make these amazing pool shots and then shoot three-pointers. And that's essentially Grant Hill. There's nothing in his life that Grant Hill can't do perfectly on the first try. And it's like, hey, you, oh, it turns out you're a concert-level pianist. And you're an amazing color guy in, in commentary. Why not? Why couldn't you do that, Grant Hill? Do you guys have strong preferences on announcers and, and broadcast? I don't. No. I mean, as long as Dick Vitale is not involved. Isn't he the worst? Yeah. That guy, if I, I feel like I could go back in time, Terminator style, in sports, and eliminate two people for all the downstream ill effects that they have wrought on the sports world. It would be Chris Berman and Dick Vitale. They'll never do this, but I wish that, like, with SAP, you know, Spanish Access Programming or whatever it stands for. Secondary Audio Protocols, I believe. I could be wrong. But I wish you could do – you could add – I mean, clearly the technology exists, as we see with MLB TV and whatnot. If they could just do, like, this is the homer for this team, this is home for that team on on these broadcasts, maybe they would get rid of the, you know, the playing to the cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Just embrace it. You know you do. Facebook, Twitter, just bring bring it to sports broadcasting. Just bring it. I'm sure it's fine.